A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you like this podcast or maybe the videos or the blogs that I've been creating over the past couple years? Well, here's the thing. I'm an independent creative, which means that I don't have that blue apron money. You don't hear advertisements from, you know, a psychology website or anything like beyond plugging my friends and their work. Um, And I also don't have the assistance of a production team. I do all of this on my own. And creating things like podcasts and, and videos and blogs, it takes time and energy and not to mention money. Um, a lot of this is on my own dime. So uh, if you want to support this podcast, if you think it's been good for you or the people around you, I'd really love for you to become a sustaining partner through Patreon. Even if something as little as $1 a month is a great way to help in creating content that speaks to the queer and progressive Christian experience. To find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and check out the perks of being a supporter, which I'll also talk about later in the podcast. But for now, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, let's jump into the show. So, so, so. Hey there, my name is Kevin Miguel Garcia, and this is A Tiny Revolution, a podcast featuring conversations with ordinary people living revolutionary lives. This is episode 39, and I am so glad you're here with me today. Um, yeah. I don't really have much to say this week other than uh, I feel like I'm finally back in like the creativity swing of things. I feel like there's a lot of juices flowing. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the fall just like does something for me. Um, it's finally chilly here in Atlanta and I'm just full of inspiration and expectation of what God is doing. I've been feeling really encouraged as of late. Thank you to everybody who wished me well on my birthday. It was dope. Um, and thank you to... Everyone who has been standing with me with some pretty uh, hard news that I've gotten recently, if you're in my inner circle, you'll know about that, and you'll also hear about it today on the podcast. Um, But before I get into the the conversation, the only announcement I really have is that the applications for the Leadership Development Cohort for the Reformation Project, those are due, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be due on Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017. Um, They're due at midnight. It's a pretty lengthy... uh, pretty lengthy application so you need to take some time to get in there and get it done boo boo so if you're interested in growing your skills as an advocate for the lgbtq community in your church or in uh, just your local context uh get it done it's at reformationproject.org slash trp lead 18 now on to the conversation today i have the pleasure of having founder of church clarity george mckaylon George McHale is the Director of Innovation and Strategic Partnerships at the Riverside Church in New York City. After serving for a long time at a megachurch out on the West Coast, which he'll get into in this talk, George found a passion for churches being absolutely clear about their policies and positions concerning issues that many churches say are divisive, namely, and most notably as of late, policies surrounding LGBTQ inclusion and affirmation within the church. So together with a few of his friends, he launched Church Clarity, an organization dedicated to asking churches point blank, what is your policy? In this conversation, we talk about his personal history with this question, how he got to where he is, and we talk a little bit about my own journey and how a lack of clarity hurt me, my friends, and the witness of my local church. So go grab a cup of whatever you fancy and enjoy this conversation with my new friend, George McHale. So, you know, you're allowed to cuss on here. You can say whatever you want. 
Um, and if you right. want anything to be off the record, you just have to say, hey, can this be off the record? And I can edit it in post. Okay. Um, um, but hello, welcome. Thank you for being here. Also, will you pronounce your last name for me so I can say it correctly? Yeah, it's Mikhail. Mikhail, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was Mikhail. Well, um, the, the the white way of saying it is Mikhail, but so that's like how we've always said it. But the mm-hmm. proper pronunciation, if you want to know, is Mikhail. Mikhail, ooh, I like that. But, you, <laughs> but Mikhail's great. All yeah. right, George Mikhail, Mikhail, if you want to Nice. Get um, <laughs> but for, for humans who don't know who George is or what you're about or um you know just give us like some snapshots of like who you are what you're about and what you've been up to lately sure yeah so i am living in new york city i work at the riverside church as the director of strategic partnerships and innovation it's my full-time gig Uh, i also co-founded a organization called church clarity which just launched last month um along with tim schrader and sarah new um, I, prior to moving to New York, um, or earlier this year, I uh, was uh, in the Seattle area, uh, as the executive pastor at a church there called East Lake Community Church. And, um, in 2015, East Lake, uh, made a public statement of full inclusion for the LGBTQ community. It's featured in a national time magazine article and, um, our evangelical mega church back then, um, uh, after, after making that announcement lost thousands of people, millions of dollars, and sent uh, us and, and me personally on, on a journey of just sort of rethinking everything, you know, uh, deconstructing mm-hmm. my, my faith and uh, really having my eyes opened up to a lot of like the behind the scenes garbage of, of how the church world runs. And so um, I guess what I'm up to now really stems from my, my own story and, you know, what I've seen that I can't unsee. Yeah. Uh, and my desire to uh, bring clarity, really, I mean, uh, to to the church world, and it's uh, it's been exciting. It's been a fun ride. Mm-hmm. Did you um, you? I, I actually remember when um, when that article came out, and people were infuriated and all in on you. So, for, so for me to you as a person who um, you know gets to be included now because of you. Thanks for being brave. Um, but also, like, I definitely understand, like they're like the price of telling the truth some sometimes is awful um mm-hmm. so as you were gearing up for that conversation with your own church around becoming fully inclusive um what was that process like for for you and for your leadership your congregation mm-hmm. yeah so so like i said i was the executive pastor so ryan Meeks is the lead pastor there and so um just he's one of the best leaders that, that I know still to this day. Uh, just someone who is in search of truth and, and really encourages those who follow him to to go on their own journey and discover truth for themselves rather than pair it back to him, you know, the things that he's preaching on Sundays. Mm. Um, and so it was sort of his example that helped um, our, certainly our staff team, our, our, um, our leadership team come to this place where there was really... Um, there's really no turning back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and from a personal level too, um, one of our staff members who had become a really good friend, um, she, turned out she was dating, um, my nanny at the time. Oh. And, um, Whoa. yeah, so we became really good. Like they became family basically, Christina and Ayla. Of course. And 
Um, so this was late 2014. So before our public announcement. And um, so Christine and Ayla came out to me and my wife uh, before they came out to anyone. Mm-hmm. And through tears, uh, Christina was, was sharing because like I'm her boss's boss, right? She's, it's a Saturday night. She sings on our, on our worship team. She's, she's getting ready to sing to, uh, you know, the next morning and she's crying. I'm trying to figure out cause my, my response when she told us we were excited and like my wife and I are like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. So happy for you guys. Uh, but she's, she's like terrified that I was going to fire her when she came out to us. Um, yeah. and it, that was a, that was a real turning point. Because no matter how many conversations we had behind the scenes, no matter how, uh, I guess, affirming we thought we were, yeah. uh, Christina was still scared. And, mm-hmm. and um, she was waiting for that other shoe to drop to the point where one of her best friends, uh, she thought, was going to fire her. Um, mm, and so yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that changed everything. And so um, it was just a couple months later that, that we announced it to to the church. But I mean, getting ready for it, leading up to it, we knew that it was going to be, you know, a quote unquote divisive thing, right? Like people were going to leave. People were going to stop giving people, uh, were going to accuse us of being heretics and, um, we were going to have to lay, lay off staff. Our jobs weren't safe. Uh, even to the point, like we told our staff ahead of it that, you know, there's a good chance our church doesn't survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, somehow it did. We, we navigated, uh, to, you know, from about 5,000 people on a Sunday to East Lake right now is probably about 900, maybe a thousand people on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and Which so is still pretty couple, sizable. It's like, yeah, for an affirming church. Yeah, definitely. Huh. And, and they're, they're doing some cool things. Um, but yeah, I mean, crisis management for, for two years of people just like thinking you're Satan, uh, was, was basically what <laughs> the last couple of years. Yeah. There were, what, were like. what was, uh, the, the f- I mean, like I, this is maybe this is just me because like I, whenever I get like an email of someone who accuses me of being like, um, an agent of Satan or some thing of that, like, do you have any like particularly funny ones that stick out to you that you maybe added to your business card? Oh yeah. There's one that I always tell. Um, so I'm in a conversation with someone who's just like so fired up about how could we, because the Bible and Jesus and all this stuff. And, um, I'm aware of a situation in this person's, you know, sphere of influence where, um, someone close to them is, um, is living with their girlfriend, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a heterosexual uh, relationship and they're totally fine with it. Right. So, but, so by their own standards, right. There's, there's hypocrisy, right. Of they're, course. they're saying one thing, but they're like excusing this quote unquote sin. Mm-hmm. So I may make it, make it clear to them in this, in this like fiery exchange, like, hey, I have no judgment over this situation, but I just want to point out, like, this, don't you think this is super inconsistent? How you're 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 not bothered uh, by what uh, let's call him John, what John is doing, um, but you're so like giving me shit every single day about this. Um, and there's silences of, over the phone, silencing at the end of the line, mm-hmm. and and the person I'm talking to goes, "Well, at least he's fucking a girl." <gasps> oh my gosh i am i am scandalized uh, oh my like... gosh wow <laughs> so i was like so okay we're done talking about the bible now we're done talking about jesus clearly we're just but... talking about who's uh who's fucking who 
that was that one i'll never forget that one for sure amazing now that is a story for the books right <laughs> but honestly that's what it comes down to for some people it's like it's not about scripture it's not really about um it's it's about this 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 cultural uh teaching that um i've discussed around uh around sex Mm-hmm. And what oh. kind of sex people are having, right. um, and it and I was and that's really like when you kind of boil it down to it, like even before like the church, like the American church got into bed with the Republican Party, um, it was it was culturally understood to be a certain thing about being a homosexual and what that meant and like, um, mm-hmm. so it's just it's very interesting to me to hear yeah. that exact phrase <laughs> yeah um, i mean she was she was honest right like that's what she's like that's ultimately what it boiled down to and when we stripped it all away and i guess in a, in a moment of honesty that's like she revealed that's what it came down to what's good clarity that's what people need to do like don't hate on me with your theology just tell me you think it's gross and then like we can move on like that's what we really need that's what i want clarity on barbara um, no doubt yeah. So speaking of church clarity, what's good with a good pivot? I'm getting better at these. Yeah, that was good. That was a, like professional segue right there. Thank you so much. And the fact that I <laughs> named it is even more professional. Um, I will never be a professional podcaster at this rate. Anyways, um, but uh, you started Church Clarity, which is an organization that is advocating for churches to be really clear about their policies um concerning participation within like what does it mean to be a member what does it mean to be a participant um so could you just talk a little bit about um the genesis of that because i I obviously where this um where it started with um with east lake with you understanding need for clarity but who did you find that wanted to partner with you and how did this how this all get started up yeah yeah so um, I think the first thing I always try to try to mention is that for me, church clarity really is a, first and foremost about uh, repentance. It's I, I was a participant in the system that uh, created harm. Mm. And so I feel like uh, I have a responsibility. Again, I can't unsee what I, what I saw. And yeah. um, the specific sort of nuance of ambiguity being a really harmful element that I just didn't notice that it being talked about that much, honestly, um, in all the conversations, uh, that we were a part of after becoming inclusive, it was, it was basically like, Hey, we just did this thing and we changed our mind about theology and we read this great, you know, Matthew Vines book and you should do that too. Right. So it was all this, like the advocacy work, which I think is very needed. Um, it was, but, but it was exclusively talking about, um, helping people along sort of on the, on the biblical path or the spiritual path towards uh, inclusion. Uh, but no one was talking about this, this practice that undergirded all of it, that, that kept it uh, sort of uh, helped make it prevail, which was, which was uh, concealing what your policy was. Hmm. Um, and what I noticed was just the reason that was harmful was because people were, um, were being like bait, baited into relationships under the guise of, you know, let's get them in the door and then uh, God will sort of take care of the rest hmm. was the approach. And, um, and again, sometimes it's, I think, genuine. And I think people think that they're being helpful with, with these approaches. Um, but for the people who were on the other end of it, who, you know, two years down, down the line of investing 
in these communities, we're told, well, here's where actually uh, the, the bar is for you. You can't lead or you can't get baptized or you can't work here, whatever it was. Uh, and so that was that was just wrong to me. Is I mean, it really comes down to it's it's a justice issue. Like, yeah. like people are being lied to. And again, sometimes it's very very blatant and and um, I think like overtly harmful. And sometimes it's it's unintentional. But either way, it's it's harmful. So a um, couple of sort of mile markers. The um, intervarsity announcement when they came out with that, mm. that 18, 18 page paper on human sexuality. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was watching the reactions uh, from sort of both sides uh, and I had a pretty interesting vantage point having, we were like six months into inclusion Our like our church is falling apart. We're in crisis management mode. And um, here's this big statement by, by InterVarsity. And what I remember like feeling was, man, obviously that sucks, right? I signed all the petitions. Like this is a bullshit policy and it's going to harm people. Um, I disagree with it. But what I couldn't let go of was how, like they articulated where they were at. They took 18 pages to say, here's why we think what we think. And we are being abundantly clear. Right. Right. Um, and I remember wishing that more churches would do that because most churches agreed with intervarsity. So there was, there was, I had this weird sort of uh, like appreciation almost for uh, how clear they were while totally disagreeing with the policy. And so that yeah. was kind of the, I think the birth of, of church clarity it was like, huh, what if, uh, I wrote this blog post called InterVarsity Did the Right Thing. And I talked about this uh, for the f- first time publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of set off the journey. The other uh, milestone was near the end of last year um, where a buddy of mine sent me a clip, uh, a sermon clip from Pastor Judah Smith, uh, City <laughs> Church near Seattle. Yeah, we know, <laughs> we know him. We know him and his uneducated ass. I'm sorry. Well, it's the, no, that's, sorry. Good. So, oh, that's that's my personal opinion. That does not reflect the opinions of Church Clarity. <laughs> well, I mean, you can read about my opinions um, if you just Google uh, <laughs> my, my, my name and Judas Smith. Um, but I saw this this clip that my buddy sent me. He's like, "Hey, check this out!" Like, super. He sent me super excited. Like, Judas saying all these like really affirming things. And it's this tweet. He sent me this link. This tweet from Judah uh, with a 60 second clip of him like just going off on this passionate just like rant about how inclusive Jesus is and how if, if, if we are to follow Jesus, we must be inclusive and anything that excludes people, we must reject. Right. Mm-hmm. And it sounded pretty convincing. Um, and so I sort of, again, kind of understanding the game. I was like, mm-hmm. this is, this is kind of bullshit that I think, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So I, I respond to him on Twitter very, very gently. Like, Hey man, great clip. Uh, I just want to make sure this means city church will now hire baptize. Uh, marry LGBT people. Let me know something like that. And okay. Um, <laughs> and so the next morning, um, the tweet was deleted, and <gasps> the uh, sermon had been taken off of his website. <gasps> yeah. So I was like, "That's weird," because um, <laughs> that was a yeah, that was a very misleading thing that already happened, and now it's it's taken down. People who were there on Sunday, right? already heard it they can't unhear that it's already in the water it already been like retweeted like a you know five thousand times or whatever <laughs> i don't know 400 times whatever um so anyways i ended up trying to reach out to him um i reached mm-hmm. out to the city church office i wrote a letter and i sent it to the office i was like hey can you please make like a physical letter is, well it was like a, it was like an email but it was okay. like an attach, attachment like a pdf attachment. okay okay i was like wow i was like wow a paper letter that's dope very old school 
but you know, it wasn't like just in the body of the email. It was like an, it was an attachment. Mm-hmm. So very, very official for us. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. For the millennial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I heard back from them. City Church was like, Hey, thank you. Pastor Jesus received this and he'll get back to you uh, in a week. And he did not get back to me. So surprise. Um, yeah. So anyways, after a couple of months later, I sat on it, thought about it, tried some other ways uh, to, to, to reach him and uh, couldn't get in touch with him, ended up publishing it. And uh, uh, it so was like an open was, letter to Judah Smith. It was an open letter to Judah Smith. And it was all about clarity. It was like, look, I don't care where you land. I mean, I just I'm worried about people in your congregation mm-hmm. uh, who are being misled. So, yeah, so that was earlier this year, I think February. And then um, I just I knew that. So one of the reasons I, I had left Eastlake was because I was I was really passionate about this need for clarity and wanting to do something about it that I knew really wouldn't work uh, while I was I was still employed there. Um, and so I ended up resigning from my position at Eastlake so that I could pursue this fully. And um, in the midst of my my transition, like. Uh, the opportunity in, in New York came up, and so I pursued that, got the job here, and uh, so I had to put the church clarity work on hold for a little while. But then uh, after I got settled in, and um, I I, I kind of got the, the swing of things here in New York, um, I re-upped the, the need for this. I talked to Tim Schrader, who someone who a mutual friend introduced us, and, um, and then I met Sarah knew after reading one of the articles that she had wrote that really um, hinted at some of these uh, issues of ambiguity. Um, and so the, the three of us sort of joined forces and um, gave birth to this crazy little organization that launched last month. And we are off to the races, man. Over um, like 1,300 churches have been submitted, about uh, 400 or so of them have been scored. Um, We've got a few hundred advocates, people saying, yes, I believe that clarity is reasonable. Um, Vice Magazine has covered us, NBC, RNS, uh, media coverage has been crazy. But what's most important is that people are starting to have conversations in a slightly different way than, than before. Mm. Um, people are, are using language that we're like, we're being very, very intentional in crafting language that we are trying to give people handles to have these conversations because, again, the nuance of Clarity being reasonable is very different than, uh, hey, you need to affirm gay people, you know, or, hey, the Bible is very clear that, you know, marriage is between one man and one woman. I think there's a different way to have a conversation, at least initially. Right. Because so. I think a lot of times um, I was talking with my friend Amelia and she said, well, you know, you can't change policy until you know a policy. Mm-hmm. And so That's even... Deep. I mean, yeah, it's true. Even even in the most painful scenarios where, you know, church, you know, comes out as being non-affirming um, and, you know, that, but then like, you know, I, you know, part of my story, but just like the, the ability to have that power and that agency to say, um, now that I understand where I, how I can participate in this church, how they view my orientation and or gender identity um, I can now engage mm-hmm. with this in a way that is consistent with my, um, my own spiritual beliefs, my own practices and, um, what I have the emotional capacity for because the work of reforming a church or like trying to build bridges in a church is not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. And a lot of times, yeah, it's like, it can be heartbreaking if you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that's something that people, especially like critics of church clarity, overlook. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of, well, if I tell people what my policy is, which, by the way, every church has a policy, no matter how many times they tell you they don't. They have a policy that they actively enforce. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how many times people come back and say things like, well, if we do that, then people are going to call us homophobic or bigoted or whatever. And my response to that is like, well, some people will. Yeah, some people are going to say that about you. Um, but is it is it true about you? Like, is that I mean, you sound that... so much like my mother in this moment. <laughs> well, I mean, it's no, like in, in the best way, because like my mom, I was like, "Mom, they said this about me," and she said, "Well, is it true?" And I'm like, "No, it's not." Even at like twenty twenty eight years old, like I'll call her and I'll tell her, "I'm just like, Mom, this person commented and they said this and said, well, is it true?'" Aww, I love your mom. She is literally. Let me tell you a um, small side small sidebar about Deborah Ann Sage Garcia. She, um has been like she's like you know she has like she didn't even use the word gay before i came out to her mm-hmm. and she said like she's like i don't understand all these like theological things but i know one thing's for sure is that god loves my son and mm-hmm. i will spend the rest of my life telling people that amen and so that's it was the, that's theology right there yeah i'm like come on girl get your be come on pastor um <laughs> yeah jumping, but yeah i mean jumping back the, the whole thing is like it, people are going to call you names like just like when we told the, you know the truth about where we were at people still call us apostate denny burke wrote in a whole article after we launched church clarity and na- like named us specifically apostates and i'm like okay that's i understand why you would actually think that about me yeah. um but i'm like i don't care i don't care yeah, because apostate. like at the end of the day like i've got work to do <laughs> right so it's fine um but yeah, the the work inside the church is like you're saying. I don't. I think it's going to be different for everyone when clarity is delivered. Some people are going to want to stay in churches that are quote unquote non affirming, um, even if they disagree with them. And some people are going to be like, "All right, I'm out." Yeah. Okay. And there, I was talking with um, Sue Ann Shaw, who mm-hmm. was it? Sue Ann Shaw. I can't remember who it was. I think it, I think it was Sue Ann, but she was saying that just like you know if you don't want to be called a non-affirming church then you need to be doing the work with your lgbt people or your side b celibate gay christians in your in your midst and figure out language that works for you because right now we're working with what we've got because right now there are not many churches if any churches out there that i know of who are doing uh who are allowing a lot of space for side b christians and celibate gay christians out there um they're not creating space for singleness they're not uh making space for celibacy as a vocation so it's it's one of these things where i always i was telling my own pastor is that if you are going to mandate celibacy or believe that celibacy is the best course of action for someone who is incapable of faithfully executing and being in a heterosexual relationship you have to build space for that you have to decentralize heterosexual marriage and the nuclear family as the cornerstone of the church and put jesus back in that spot Mm, that's good yeah, the, the whole fight over language is so interesting, too, because it's like they some churches reject the label and they get defensive about being uh, uh, scored non-affirming. And they don't realize, like, you know that when you uh, espouse theology that calls people sinner and, you know, you frame this as a lifestyle and, like, all these ways that, that um, this theology... Harms and labels LGBTQ people. 
it's like it, 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 I hate to like say it's like a, a taste of your own medicine because I don't think it's it's meant to be like um, mean in that way. But it, it is it is weird that they get defensive mm-hmm. when it's like you're doing you're you're doing that, but ten times worse, like a hundred times worse. Yeah, we could call you much worse than non-affirming, to be honest. Totally. Yeah. Um. So, what like what specific? I know that you like. There's been a lot of, um, the pressed and sprinkles of the internet, like talking back and talking down about charge clarity. Um. But what's been like the main, kind of pushback that you've said? Like, I I think you said something about like there's like people calling for unity of the body, and Mm -hmm. whatnot, and how that's like a false a false choice. Yeah, definitely. Well, first, let me address Preston specifically, since you named him. Um, I actually followed up with him, so I saw his oh, his, his, his tweets and um, ended up having a Skype conversation with him. But actually, I felt like went really well. Good um, for you, because if I ever yeah. talk to that man again, I'll tell you what, I'm have fist cuffs with him. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we'll see um, sort of what his next uh, thing is publicly. But I, I feel like I feel like we had a really good conversation. But all I have to say, the, the most of the criticism I think uh, is coming from. Uh, people who are in positions of power and mm-hmm. past, you know, pastors specifically. And yeah, it's a lot of, this is divisive. How does this build up the body of Christ? What about Christian unity? Uh, these are the kind of things that we're hearing. So, um, you know, I guess my response to that line of, of criticism is that I, I think there's, um, there's a misconception about unity, uh, in the church right now. Mm-hmm. There's a false, there's a false unity. There's a, uh, we think we're unified or people want to think that we're unified, but the reality is we're not mm-hmm. right. Like what, what, what makes a community um, unified? Right. So like, for instance, I think about even Eastlake mm-hmm. when we knew that this was what we were going to do immediately, we could call to mind, okay, this here's where we're here. Here's the people we're going to lose. And naming that reality meant we were already divided. Right. Um, there were people that were not going to follow us where we knew we had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's true across the board at all churches. Yes. Um, and that's, what's terrifying about, about clarity for a lot of people is that clarity will, um, it will reveal division. I don't think it creates division, but it exposes the division that's already present in our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how it's delivered, if you deliver clarity and you say, we are now affirming, you will lose people who are going to be like, what about the Bible? And what about Romans? And if you clarify your position as, um, your, or your policies as, uh, you know, we won't baptize, we won't hire, we won't marry LGBTQ people, you will lose people who thought you were, um, more progressive than you actually are. Yeah. You know what the, the immediate verse that comes to mind is when mm. Jesus said, like, you guys think I, I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword to divide, mm. you know, father from son, daughter from mother. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, it's it's very interesting because both sides of this conversation are going to claim the name of Jesus mm. as the reason for this. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, it's just like, wow, like, Jesus knew. Right. Like, even yeah. then, like, the things I am saying to you now the way of living that I'm trying to teach you how to live. Like even like my very personhood is going to be a matter of debate. Um, And it's, um, yeah, it's fascinating and like ooky spooky to think about. (laughs) Um, But also just, it also just, it gives me a lot of peace knowing like, okay, like this is, this is the business we're in as being baptized people is that we have to 
you know, work on this thing, do what we can, but knowing that when one speaks the truth, however the truth is, and I'm not saying like the truth as in like gay people are loved by God, but as in the truth of just like who we are, Mm -hmm. truth will divide people, but it also can set people free to do the things they need to do. Another Jesus quote, boom. Amen. Look at you. Yeah. And, um, I'm actually in the middle of writing a, uh, a post about that verse hmm. uh, around this topic specifically. So it's funny you, you mention it um, because it's so, so relevant. And it's like, here you have the, the person we've dubbed the Prince of Peace, right? Saying, I haven't come to bring peace, but division. Um, and then he goes off to list examples, right? Mother against daughter. And like he, he lists like nine different examples of the types of division that he's bringing. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just think when people talk about well, what about uh, what about Christian unity or whatever, they conveniently skip this like re- I think really important passage because he goes on to say all right after it um, you know you can you can predict the weather patterns and, uh, and and all that kind of stuff but you can't interpret the present time. And I think oh that's Jesus! So, so relevant for us right now. Because that's what we're like, we're, we're not doing. We're like, look around, yo, wake up. I mean, honestly, a big part of my journey that I, I left out was um, the election. When Trump got elected, for me, it was like, holy shit. And 81% of evangelicals yeah. uh, voted for him. Like, what the hell is going on? Why, why every day after that uh, election uh, is every evangelical leader like standing up, being as loud as they can, being like, yo... I don't know what happened, but 81% of us voted for Trump, and that's a big problem. Um, I was genuinely confused, like, why that wasn't happening, why there wasn't more outrage uh, mm-hmm. in leadership over this. And so interpreting the times right now is like, this is a crime. Like, we're in an urgent situation. And um, to me, clarity is reasonable is the phrase I keep going back to because I'm like, we don't need, like, we're so far behind in all the work that we need to do. I'm like, mm-hmm. clarity is like step one, yo. Like we got to get this done so then we can actually have some real conversations. So yes. we're just behind. Yeah, I, I have remarked many times to people, I'm just like, if I could talk about anything else, I would. Yeah. Because I I have so many more complex thoughts. And like, so like, I like, I love talking about like everything that I don't understand. And I love talking about, you know, like, you know, name a thousand different things and I could probably like write a sermon about them, but I can't talk about those things because I've got this big three letter word attached to me. Mm. Um, that is going to get in the way of me trying to say anything. So until like we get past that, you know, you know, until like we can like name the things that like we actually believe and talk about. Cause that's the thing too, is like, I have, I tell people like anytime I give, um, like I'll do a workshop about like how to talk about, LGBTQ inclusion in the Bible um, or progressive theology. I always tell people, I'm just like, I do not care what you believe. I just, I just want you to understand why you believe what you do because that is half the battle. Cause even within like within, within, and the problem is people don't know what they believe. They don't know what their policies are. They don't understand how uh, even unspoken things is going to affect somebody. Um, Mm. And mm-hmm. so, it, so being, and people are so afraid. It's like, oh, I don't want to upset anybody. It's like, well, honey, like, mm. too late. You know, like, like the, the cards have been dealt. The tips are on the table, and you can either um, start speaking the truth, or you can, you know, 
continue to operate in this ambiguity that is causing real harm to real people in real time. Yeah, man. And that's so insightful because, you know, what you said about um, people don't know why they believe what they believe um, or even what they believe. Right. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this, the reason this is so harmful is because people aren't being led. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you, what you have is people making a lot of assumptions, like some of the loudest people um, who are like anti LGBTQ and like, you know, keyboard warriors for uh, Jesus. Um, (laughs) They, they're not being led. They go to these churches that are super ambiguous and they assume like some of the reactions to the Judah letter that uh, was published because it went a little bit viral and got shared like a thousand times. And people were, you know, similar reactions to, to Church Clarity's launch. But what was fascinating were how many people um, on both sides who identified as I go to Judah's church and who were like, and Judah, of course, is affirming. And then on the other side, just as many people, I go to Judah's church and of course, he's never going to baptize a gay person. And that was just such an interesting thing to watch. Because That's a it's case like, study right there. Oh, for sure. Because it's like your, your people aren't being led. And actually, one of the uh, catchphrases that, that Tim Schrader uh, coined for Church Clarity is where there is clarity, uh, people flourish, uh, which is a play on, on the Bible verse um, where there is no vision, um, people die or people cease or like mm-hmm. people wander. I can't remember the exact interpretation, but that's so true, right? Where there's no vision, where people don't know what the hell you're leading them or asking them to do. Mm-hmm. You got people, they just like don't, they don't even know what you stand for. Yeah. God. It's like you've been reading my diary and or been in the room with what's been going on with my church as of late. Oh, man. Good God. Do you want to talk talk about it? Um, I can interview you for a little bit. It'd be kind of fun. Sure. If you want to, why not? Yeah, man. Tell me. So you told me a little bit about it, but I'm I'm curious, like, what's what's the process been like? Well, um, it's, uh, I mean, like, I couldn't actually tell you what the process was because the process happened behind closed doors. That's the thing that's the most fr- frustrating about it is uh we have you know I've been in conversation with like pastors and lay people and uh, church administrators and the wives of the pastors to just like see like what's going on like where do they land where do they think and because you know why the while the man might be the head of the household the lady is the neck and she can turn that head any way she wants to that's <laughs> right. That's a line from my big fat Greek wedding. So, um, but it, it's been like this very intentional, like when I first got taken off of leadership at, at my church, I was pretty frustrated, like not even pretty frustrated. I was furious and heartbroken and very, the very much at the beginning stages of my own advocacy. So like, it was almost like the years that I had spent repressing all of my anger kindly kind of just like shot out all at once Mm. and um one blog i wrote that i still think is one of my favorite is just like um it was called i'm in an abusive relationship with my church um i remember reading that and well the thing i said is just like if you tell somebody that you love them and you continue to hurt them that is not a that's not love that's an abusive relationship and i still stand by that um (sighs) and it's just it's just like you know, you can't really get around the the truth of that, in my in my opinion. A lot of times, I think there's a lot of well-meaning pastors out there who I also think like want to do the right thing, right. but they're so tied up in in money and in politics and in church polity 
and this 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 uh commitment to wanting to have unity like you said um so they operate in this ambiguous place that ends up hurting people in the end um and that's that is definitely what happened uh to me and is happening to my my queer friends is that we're in this place of like we we've been faithful we showed up every week you know we built community we did what you said from the pulpit which is like you know build community make disciples uh love one another um we supported the vision of this church of like trying to expand because we believe that it's not just good for um for our community here who meets in this building but it's good for the city and it's good for the world because like you know we've been, and it's so interesting too because we've been making all this other uh, progress in the way of talking about um, racial justice from the platform, from uh, talking about women from the platform, and the the, the equity of women, um, and so it's just kind of one of those things because in my mind that <laughs> um, it the slippery slope idea um, mm-hmm. because like if you take that same lens that you look at. Um, racial justice with and say, oh, slave, slave, slavery is bad. Women are equal. You automatically use that same lens on everything else that you're looking at. Then it leads towards greater inclusion in my book. But it's not really a slippery slope. It's more of an arduous uphill battle with everything fighting against you. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. So uh, it's um, the process has been over the course of two years. And I think it wasn't until this past summer when we launched um, a small group Bible study um and i informed the pastors that i was doing this and they said sure yeah this is great this is good news i was doing brunches and saying oh yeah sure that's great this is we can't we want to be a part of this like you know making me feel like okay like i finally have a little bit of permission here even though like i'm kind of operating on the outskirts of this church with a no policy policy but maybe this is signs of something better to come um, and wanting to have follow-up conversations with them to tell them how things were going. Um, and then all of a sudden to have the rug pulled out from under us um, feels nothing short of... Uh, a, I feel lied to. I feel duped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the while, like, maybe, like, you know, you can look back at it and you want to see, like, oh, I should have seen this coming. Um but I am someone who is uh, drastically optimistic. And so even if I like, I, even if I could see it coming, I didn't want to see it coming right. because of the relationships that I had built and invested and hoped in with these people who you've already betrayed me once. You wouldn't do it again. Would you right. like, that's the thing is like, you know, you stabbed me in the back, you know, and then took it out. And then I got healing, came back to this relationship and this time you stabbed me in the gut. Um, and now there's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's harmful. And it's going to be one of those things that like on the one hand, like I knew when we started the small group that it was either going to be, it's It was either going to be like, we're, um, we're going to be let in. We're going to start like, this is going to like kickstart the actively discerning process for our church. And I thought it was going to be a community effort where as a church, as a body, we're going to 
read the following things. We're going to hear the following stories. We're going to allow people of differing perspectives to have a voice in this conversation, which to me sounds like a pretty democratic and Christian way of going about it, of like trying to have civil discourse, trying to have relationships with people who are different from you in order to arrive at some form of consensus or at least give it the old college go. But it wasn't. What happened was was that apparently the board of directors was having conversations on their own, not involving any queer people that are part of the congregation. And they just adopted the policy of the network of churches that we're a part of, which is small, conservative, and white, and male, male um, in their leadership. Um, Jeez, man. And it's... Uh, it's... Uh, you know, you can try to apologize all day for what you've done, but just like it's like, you know, you're 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 about to wound a lot of people, mm-hmm. and this could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. You know, had when I came to you two years ago, you know, after you hurt one person, there should have been a policy. In my opinion, and then I could, and then I could have yeah. saved two years of my life because I can't, I can't get that time back. That's the thing I think I'm I'm more mad about than anything is not even so much that the policy has landed where it's landed. It's that I can't get that time back. Those meetings, right. those hours that I put in, those hours praying, um, those um, those tears, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, I, I, that's two years of my life that I gave to a church that didn't want me in the end. Oh, man. So it's... And are you, are you just so I want to make sure I'm hearing you, um, you're not saying that you're lamenting where they landed ultimately. You're lamenting that it, it, you, you felt like the process and the journey that you had invested in at the end of the, at the end of the day, uh, they weren't faithful to sort of their end of the, of the bargain of including you in the, in the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Cause like, if you're going to say we want, I, if I, I hear another fucking pastor say, I just want to hear more stories. I just want to listen more. I just want to like, you know what? Shit or get off the pot, dude. (laughs) Like if you want to listen to my story, I will gladly tell you every detail. I will give, I will pull out my journals. I will show you slideshows. You know, I will give you, I'll give you my book manuscript that I'm waiting to get published. You know, I'll give you whatever you want. But the thing is just like, so many pastors are guilty of emotionally masturbating to the stories of marginalized people they think just because they're listening to something, it, like it absolves them of all their crime yeah. and their complicity in a system that harms people. Right. And I think, um, again, you know, clarity is, is reason like, you know, to say clarity is reasonable is like the most perfect thing. And I'm not even trying to blow smoke up your ass or like what y'all yeah. are doing, but just like, I think that if like, this was something that could have happened two years ago, who knows? Who knows how, how this could have played out differently? Yeah. Um, but oh, like, man, if, but I'm... like, but to but to to answer your question, yes, I'm I like again, I don't care that they landed in a non-affirming place. I care that I was lied to. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, you know, as a pastor, any opportunity that I get to just say I'm sorry on behalf of uh, churches and, and church leaders. Um, oh, Alexa heard me apologize when she just chimed in. <sighs> Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> oh, she's not done. Um, but I'm I'm sorry. Like I can I can hear your your pain and what you're expressing and just the lament of 
of two years uh, sort of spinning your wheels. Um, and I don't think that what you're what you had hoped for is, is crazy. You know, you like you're saying, you knew what you were what you had signed up for. You knew that they were sort of on a journey or in a, in a process, and you decided to stay there, hoping that they would be uh, they would have some integrity, sort of when, when yeah. the rubber uh, met the road. And, and what's disappointing is that uh, it feels. I think what what it feels like is they never actually had an intention of going on an honest journey with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another word. That if I never have another pastor say, oh, we're on a journey. No, you're not. <laughs> so if you want to get on your, if you want to, if you want to go on a journey, saddle up your horses, baby. We got a trail to blaze. Does anyone yeah. get that reference? Did you get it? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, Sorry. Um, uh, what's that, that one uh, dude singer, something Chapman, Stephen Curtis Chapman? Oh, Stephen Curtis yeah, Chapman no. has, go YouTube this after we hang up. It's called <laughs> um, The Great Adventure. And it was a song that, like, as a young evangelical, got me really fired up. <laughs> it's like, it's stupid. Like, it's like, it's the the video is so bad, but like, it's like, uh, so the the chorus is "Saddle up your horses, we got a trail to blaze through the wild blue yonder, God's amazing grace." Oh yes. Let's follow That's... our leader into the glorious unknown. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm for that. I am for great adventures with churches. But if you're going to do it, you need to saddle up your horses first. Yeah. And if you don't want to go on that, be clear that you don't want to go on that. Right. And then I can and go uh, I can go somewhere else and, like, waste my money and time. Totally. Well, that's that's the reason for us creating active, actively discerning as a, as a score. Mm-hmm. Be, because we want to actually acknowledge that there are churches who do, like Eastlake did, and like Denver Community Church did. Mm-hmm. And like um, City Church of San Francisco did, and, and, and like, Grace Point too, and Grace Point absolutely, and Christ Church in Portland, like and, and you know the list isn't super long. We could probably finish it here in, in like five more, but um, there there are churches that actually do go on an, on an honest journey of inquiry, and they bring in guys like Matthew Vines, um, or they go to the GCN conferences, you know, and and they're actually like pouring over, like okay, have we have we did we get this right? Because maybe. We're, we're actually wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Um, or Danny Cortez, like Danny Cortez's story. It's yes. always been so powerful for me. Um, but uh, active discerning, what we're intentional about is, you know, there's, that's, it's also ripe for abuse. Like this, this whole idea mm-hmm. of, well, we're on a journey. Well, now you fucking aren't on a journey. Mm-hmm. You're just like trying to string this along for as long as you can. Because you want to look good and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right, right. And those are good intentions and that's fine. But at the end of the day, like if you're not willing to say, okay, we are on a journey and by X date, we are going to deliver clarity one way or the other, mm-hmm. then we, we're not going to score you active discerning. Um, so we want an end date for, for your quote unquote journey. Yeah. Um, but we do want to acknowledge that that is actually clear when you publicly say, Hey, listen, this is complicated. We live in some transitionary times in, in the world and we are taking some intentional time as a leadership and as a community and we're going to listen and we're going to do some study and we're going to pray. Great. That is clear. Thank you for being clear. And we look forward to you delivering your policy statement. You know, if not like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. wow, The other thing thing too, that you Ryan, you have telling me your story about your church is, uh, you know, they're passionate about racial justice now. That's great. My my problem right now that I'm running into more and more is people, pastors specifically, that use that as a as a smokescreen oh to get gosh. out of talking about LGBTQ policy. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, dude, you know what? I don't want to go to your social justice party if my LGBTQ friends aren't invited. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's dishonest and it's not, um, it's, it's just, it, it feels inauthentic to me. If it's inauthentic. Uh, and, and even if you are genuine. I was just going to say, like, it's like it lacks like any sort of understanding of just like what intersectional justice actually looks like, because what about your black queer people in your in your midst? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. what about uh, your, um, you know, your your gender minorities, you know, your your trans individuals, your non-binary individuals who are also uh, of people of color? Like, are they included in your in your social justice or or not? Because like that's an incomplete justice. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the other, uh, that's a good metaphor. That's a good metaphor to say, like, it's like people will use that as a smokescreen. It is, man. It is. And I, I, it's like, um, well, I don't want to be pastor saying, uh, Erwin McManus and I were tweeting back and forth the other day and he was, his thing was, uh, I don't like being bullied. Right. And I've heard that a couple of times, like church clarity is a bully. And I'm just like, you don't understand power dynamics at all. You cannot, (laughs) Like you I feel like just... a bully because you said something that I'm not affirming. Well, <laughs> say then prove me otherwise, or say what you mean. Yeah. Well, and never mind the fact that you are in a position of authority and power, and there's people like Sarah tweeted him like, "Hey, just like to clarify, so will you uh, or you know ordain?" She said, "As a queer person, like, will you perform a same-sex wedding?" And he ignored her, of course. Um, and it's just so frustrating to, to then call that bullying. Like you have the power to ignore, right? Mm-hmm, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the number one tactic that power uses. And oftentimes white privilege uses, right? Mm-hmm. We're just not going to answer questions, right? Like fake news, like let's dis- discredit the media because they're asking too many questions, ultimately what that's about. And that's the playbook that a lot of yeah. evangelical pastors use is just avoidance in general. And then when someone asks them a couple questions, they're like, you're bullying me. And I just, I have no patience for that. I'm anymore. like, if your skin is not thick enough to deal with somebody asking you a question, you're in the wrong business. Totally. Okay. Totally. Don't call yourself a leader. Uh, yeah. Like if, like if you, if you're going to put yourself in the public sphere, whatever that is, you are opening yourself up to public inquiry period. Yes. And no. like, and I, I don't understand. And this is something like I, in my small experience I have of being an internet person, a small platform as I am, is like, you know, I have failed publicly and I've apologized when I've messed up and like I've had to like reorient myself and there's nothing wrong with failing publicly, but you just have to be willing to do it. Mm, yeah. I know. Um, and also just like to be, to, tr- to strive to be better. Um, and so many pastors don't want to be better because they want to protect their little thing going on because they want to protect their paycheck and they want to protect like their money to be frank. They want to protect their power and they do not see that the, the kingdom of God is something completely different than that. You know, the kingdom of God is always about the last being first. It's always about, you know, the smallest seed in the garden becoming the gr- the greatest tree and birds nesting in it. Mm. You know, if we want to get mustard seeds in there. <laughs> it's, um, I've been thinking a lot about mustard seeds, too. I wrote a blog yeah. about it today <laughs> and weeds. Oh, nice. Um, I'll have to check it out. But anyways... Um, yeah, we could we could wax poetic about this all night. I'm sure. Do you, do you um you want to talk about some positive things since we've been sort of yeah um, on the okay cool 
So here's what's been really encouraging. Yeah, hit uh, me with the, hit me with the good stuff. <laughs> so mo- overwhelmingly, the response to the church clarity has been positive, mm. um, and I would say that that spans the theological spectrum. I mean, there's been signers of the Nashville statement who have come out and been like, I mean, yeah, stand by your convictions, right? Um, and that was that was what always compelled me about this in early days of thinking about it. it was like, I think actually. I could quote unquote reach across the aisle with this, right? Mm-hmm. I think clarity, clarity is reasonable. In fact, I think people who believe that the Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman uh, would appreciate if their pastor would acknowledge that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been it's been really encouraging to see how much this is resonating with people and how much people get it. How, pe- how people get that this is a very subtle nuance, but it's. Um, it's, it's one that can be really, really powerful because, you know, as much as critics want to say it's labeling and it's like judgmental or whatever, um, if you actually take the time to like read the website and look into the nuance, you'll see that it's not at all. Like just sit, mm-hmm. just tell the truth. Every church has a policy. What's your answer to these basic questions is really what it can take down to. So that's been great. Um, the other thing, I've actually been really surprised by how many affirming churches there are in the world really <laughs> um yeah there's a lot and we're like we have a really high bar which is what's your policy is you know will you baptize will you hire will you marry will you ordain um and so i'm you know i'm kind of being a little bit facetious about the high bar but it's like we're not just people who are like no we totally love gay people but uh our mm. denomination our denomination won't let us uh whatever we're yeah, like, I think I read that that uh, uh that little blog you guys put up about that. Yeah, yeah. So even that, even those scenarios, we're like, cool. I'm glad you love gay people, and you have like the rainbow thing on your website. But at the end of the day, your policy is not affirming, and so mm-hmm. you know that's how we score it. But so even with that that high criteria bar, there's a lot of of churches that are clear affirming. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so that, that's been really cool. And then the other, the other thing is just, again, the language, watching the language just get into, into the water has been, for me, probably the most exciting part is, is when I, anytime I, I see someone like tweet actively enforced policy, it's a phrase that I've been obsessed with. I'm like, <laughs> yes, they're, they're, they're getting it because the, all three of those words matter, right? Because it, it reinforces the fact that every church actually has a policy that they currently, today, tomorrow, actively enforce, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it moves the conversation because invariably the conversation always, always, always devolves into theology and what do you think the Bible says and what about Romans? And so the point of church clarity is to bring the conversation back to what is the policy of your, you know, the actively enforced policy? Um, mm-hmm. What is what does that clarity look like there? So, um so yeah, p- teaching people how to have a conversation in a slightly different way has been really powerful and encouraging. Yeah. Dang, son. Well, I like your work. I think you're doing good. I think it's really dope that you've actually had an idea. And like, I know so many people who have been talking about this idea for so many years, and it's really cool um, to see it come to fruition and mm-hmm. uh, to see it growing as a as a as a, so and as someone who. Um, I'm I'm very as someone who like desperately like wanted this for myself. I'm very thankful that it's here now. So thank you mm-hmm. for your work and thank you to your team for the time that y'all put into this. It's um, yeah, man. it's a real well, blessing to so many people. Well, thank you and thank you for being an advocate and thanks for uh, having me on and for your witness and and uh, I mean just you're an inspiration to so many people, including myself. So appreciate Aww. you. And your- 
Thanks, dude. That was my conversation with my friend George McHale. You can connect with him on Twitter at... I don't know why I said Twitter so strangely. You can connect with him on, on Twitter at G McHale, which is capital G-M-E-K-H-A-I-L, as well as connect with his work with Church Clarity at churchclarity.org and at Church Clarity on all the social media across the internet. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you loved this episode, there's a way that you can actually help support making it possible. Firstly, if you've been listening for a while, you know that this kind of work takes time, energy, and money. So if you think that this podcast is worth a couple bucks a month, I'd encourage you to become a sustaining partner through Patreon. Patreon is a dope way to give back to the creatives you love by supporting their work financially, making it possible to produce more content, better content, and for me, to produce it more regularly so I don't have to spend more time in the restaurant so I have to pay my bills. Not to mention, there are perks, like getting your name at the end of the videos I put on YouTube, exclusive online communities, uh, free t-shirts, daily devotionals sent straight to your inbox, and more. So, do me a favor, go over to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia to learn how to support A Tiny Revolution and the creation of content about the queer Christian experience. Thanks so much, and I'm looking very much... I'm looking... (laughs) I'm looking forward to partnering with you. Um... I have trouble talking today, apparently. Um, additionally, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and wherever you're listening to it, and go ahead and rate us in the iTunes store. It honestly helps with the exposure and getting this podcast into the ears of folks who need it, folks who need to be connected with a better word about their lives and experiences. Lastly, you can also connect with me on my website and blog, thekevingarcia.com, and that's where I have all of my writing, and it's where I post things from the YouTube channel. Um, I'm on, I'm at thekevingarcia across most social media. Um, you'll find me everywhere if you just search my name. And if you've got any feedback or questions or people that you want to hear on the Tiny Revolution, please let me know. I'm always looking for ways to get better. I think... That's everything. Um, One thing I forgot to mention on the top end of the podcast is that the Gay Christian Network National Conference, which is going to be held in Denver, Colorado, uh, the 16th? When is it happening? Let me pull up my calendar real quick. Sorry. Um, 18th. The 18th to the 21st of January in Denver, Colorado, Gay Christian Network Conference. Tickets and registration are open right now. And if uh, if you're coming... Uh, let me know. I would love to hang out with you to see you while I'm there. I am definitely going to be busy, but I definitely always have time for a quick conversation in the hallway, a hug, and hopefully, uh, God willing and the creek don't rise, I'll be doing some workshops while I'm there. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's everything I've got to say today. Thanks for listening. Drink some coffee. Go see your therapist. Call your friend. You haven't talked to them in a while, and they miss you, and you miss them. You might not even remember how much you miss them. Um, and more than anything, remember God loves you so much. So, my name is Kevin Garcia. This has been A Tiny Revolution, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Bye now. Mwah! Well, at least he's fucking a girl. (gasps) (gasps) Oh my gosh!